Hello! Welcome to a brand new episode of the Shellheads podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Sergio. Your other host, he's also here, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. I am, I am also Jeff. <laughs> Wait, are you are you a second Jeff? Maybe. Oh, good, because, man, we really needed to replace that first one. Hey! <laughs> Look, I caught you I, in your ruse. We're here to talk about Ninja Turtles, Jeff. We are. It's same same podcast, same dudes uh, talking about the same stuff. Ninja Turtles. Um, we've it's been two weeks and we, we have a lot of news where we're going to talk about the, the 2K12 or the, the, the Nickelodeon show a little later. We have an anniversary to uh, to celebrate. I don't know if we're going to be able to fit it into our standard two hour podcast. Let's just go to our first segment. That Let's get the show on the road. The time is now for witches being that of which is known as what is in the box. Thank you, Krang. Uh, let's let's see what's in our boxes. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you go first because I have a feeling it's the same thing that's in mine. Mm, maybe. 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 Um, so I had missed out on the first uh, pressing of the original Turtles movie um, record and CD soundtrack. Um, now this is the original score for the film, not to be confused with the regular soundtrack that had all the pop music and stuff. Um, and I thought, well, you know, nope, that was not going to happen again. And as luck would have it, uh, Waxworks uh, put it back into another pressing. So I immediately pulled that trigger and uh, got my copy along with CD, and it that arrived in the mail yesterday. Yesterday, that's a actually that's around when I received mine. So I I also uh, got uh, a shipment from Waxwork Records, and mine was the vinyl record of the third movie's soundtrack because of course they just released that. Right. And I also picked up the CD for. Movie three and for movie one, because I missed the CD the first time around. Oh, good. Yeah. So I, I, my collection is complete un, unless they decide to do anything else. Mm, I mean, we got that fourth movie. Maybe. M- maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. That's uh, it's a long shot to think that they're going to do that one. But you never know. Yeah, that's very true. So I just need to order that third one and I'll be. Set and I can get those babies all in a nice three vinyl frame. <laughs> mine are mine are on the shelf with the rest of my records. Well, of course. Yeah. Uh, actually, the the next thing in my box is kind of also news. So okay. I don't want to spoil news by talking about what's in my box so jeff here's here's what's the next segment the time is now for which is being that of which is known as the secret of the news fantastic let's let's jump into the news we got a lot of news krang uh it's very very long and i'm going to go ahead and talk about the uh the what's in my box news because it's kind of big news Ooh, yeah the listeners may not know this. Uh, I know you do. But in the 90s, there was a Ninja Turtles comic strip 
that was syndicated in newspapers across the country and, and apparently also in the UK. It um is one of those things that was produced by Mirage uh, by like in-house artists and writers and it's really obscure most fans don't even know it exists and, and also it's never really been available for for like to collect you just would you would just have to go look up the newspapers and read them that way well someone put all of them together and made a book out of it made it three books out of it and i i like i really don't know how legal any of this is so get them fast yeah yeah i'll, I'll include a, a link to like the uh the amazon thing because you can just buy them on amazon or you can buy them from uh it's it's a it's like a make or a book on demand website huh it doesn't print it until you order it i guess i i don't know much about it all i know is it's three volumes and they're divided into like the 1990 through 91 91 through 93 and then 94 through 96 the first book is basically all the comics that ran in the UK under the name Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Mm-hmm. And they're all in color. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the original color. Um, the other two books are the black and white comics that ran in American newspapers. And uh, like apparently there's like story arcs and stuff, and it's literally something I've never read. Uh, I've, there's some digital copies of them floating around on the Internet, you know, if, if you want to try to find those. Or you can just buy these books. Um, do you want to hear the good news first? Uh, you know what? Always oh, just get, get the bad news out of the way. Just, just do it like a Band-Aid. Just rip it off. They're kind of janky. Oh. These books are a little janky. Uh like on the back they say that each strip was paint each strip was painfully color corrected resized etc to bring the comic back to its former glory and that is really stretching it that's stretching it pretty far they clearly just scanned in the 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 newspaper like strips directly out of it and and actually the um what is it? How is it credited? Uh, the Library of Congress cataloging in publication data. I don't know if that makes this legal or not. I, I don't know. But they, yeah. they scanned them all in. They did clean them up some, but the colors in the color one are – they look like they were colored by a – Five-year-old? No, 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 no. Oh. But by like a, a marker that a five-year-old would use. So from my knowledge, anything – you can access from the Library of Congress if you pay a fee and you can get access to that. Um, what kind of access? Access to read it or access to republish it? I don't think republish it, but I mean, that that's definitely not the case for these. But like some lost media has been found recently. Uh, they were able to get copies of some, you know, old shows that had like pilots and stuff have never seen the light of day so i'm not 100 percent all you know knowing about the facts behind all of that but i know that i i know just that little bit again i i don't know how legal it is to print these so get them while they're hot uh, well but 
just expect them to be a little jank, but they're totally readable. Looking at Amazon right now, only the first two are available. Three is already showing out of print. It said limited availability. Like, I got all three of them from Amazon. Lucky buddy. The third it's, one. It's listed as TMNT3 paperback. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the only one with a weird name. The other two are still there. They're selling it on, on Amazon, but the the publisher on it is listed as Lulu, like Lulu.com. Uh, and that is that, that that looks like the publish on demand thing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to Lulu.com to see if they're available there, because I know you can buy them directly from from them. Book one, book two. Yeah, book one and book two are on there. I don't see book three. Mm. Got stupid lucky. That's wild. But I I anticipate it probably coming back in stock because again it's I think it's manufacturer on demand. So spin up the machines, right? Yeah. But books one and two are, are there. Check them out. Uh, it's it's a real bizarre release. And again, if once. Nickelodeon realizes that these things exist, they may get copyright stricken immediately, unless they're using some sort of legal loophole through the public publication of newspapers. I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. But it's exciting that these are finally able to be read. Yeah. Uh, without diving deep into the dark web of the Internet to find them. There's that. Um, what's what news topic do you have, Jeff? The weird thing that I'm going to lead with is uh, my buddy Crimson actually gave me a heads up uh, to this piece of news uh, that I'm about to share. Um, There's a company in Australia uh, called Umbrella Entertainment. Uh, They do Blu-ray, DVD, you know, all that, you know, manner of uh, releases. We're getting our first StinkoVision release. When you sent this over... I thought it was a joke. Yeah, it's definitely not. So explain to me, what what exactly is Stinkovision, Jeff? Okay, so you've got about – you've got a sticker sheet with about nine stickers on them, and (laughs) there's a feature – on on the disc that says original feature film with pop-up scratch and sniff icons – so at certain points in the movie, certain things will pop up and you have to smell them. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I really this don't. is so weird. It's very, very weird. Um, it looks like just it's kind of hard to make out some of the images. One looks like paint. Uh, one looks like pot. Uh, <laughs> one's a pizza, yeah. One's a pizza, one's like, you know, toxic waste. Uh, a sewer, I imagine that smells like poo. Um, and I can't make out some of the rest of them. One looks like a stick of gum, maybe. I don't know. It will be coming with some some extras, like behind the shells making of the uh, TMNT uh, film um, and theatrical trailer, and that's. About it. I don't know the quality of the film, if it's a new master or. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Well, that's the weirdest news we have. What else do we have? I wouldn't say that's the weirdest news. Oh, no. No, we've got even weirder than that. 
we've got some new drinkware coming um, from the folks over at Numskull Designs. Um, these are 14 ounce like ceramic cup with like a midsection that's like molded silicone grip. <laughs> you can get all four turtles. Uh, they all look very angry. Of course, I'd be angry too if someone was pouring hot liquid on me. Um, uh, they're goofy. They're silly. Uh, I kind of dig them. Yeah, you can you can pour hot or cold drinks into them. Well, this is true. Yes. Um, it's just it's goofy. <laughs> it is. It's really goofy. Um, I believe it or not, I don't have any Ninja Turtles like mugs or glasses. Yeah, those aren't that's those aren't that weird. They're they're just cups. Yeah, it's we're talking Stinko Vision here. Stinko Vision. Stinko Vision. All right. Uh, let's talk about those London Toy Fair statues, Jeff. Yeah. Um, just came across this piece kind of like out of nowhere, and. One of the most interesting things to me is, so there's this big splash of all four turtles um, in, you know, triangle formation. It looks like something from a CGI animated series. It really does. 87 style. And um, there's there's statues that connect together, um, or what it looks like they connect together. I'm assuming that, you know, they're not going to sell them all in one big swoop. Now... I don't I could not find any other information on this at this time. Um, it's probably just them doing a promo or maybe it's another series. I don't know, because we know an animated series might be coming. Yeah, I don't think this like honestly, these are probably just renders of the statues, because if you look at the pictures, they're yeah. the exact same pose that the turtles are. Yeah, are in in the statues. Yeah, so. Would that be a cool looking TV show? Probably. But I think I think we're diving a bit too deep into this. Yeah. But you never know. You know, we're supposed to be getting TV shows. So, yeah. Either way, these look cool. They really do. Um, let's see. And what's we'll, next? We'll probably have more info on that if any, anything else pops up. Yeah. Uh, they probably aren't going to announce any TV show stuff until either after the movie or closer to the movie or whenever comic con is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, speaking of action figures, I've got a little bit of news. It's not much. Um, apparently a Milo Fava hoot. <laughs> that his name. That's a great name. Yeah. No, that's his, that's, that's just his Instagram handle. It's Trevor Zamet. It's Trevor Zamet. Fahoot. Uh, yeah, and he was on a podcast, I believe last week, uh, the Speak Speaky Geeky official podcast, and he talked about what was coming this year from from NECA. And there's not really any big surprises in this list. What is uh, what really is the news here is those four punks that uh, we knew were coming. Yeah, they're going to be in two packs and. Some of them have mutations. Yeah. Did any of these characters mutate in the show? 
I don't remember seeing any of them. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure they're working from something. They that's an earthworm Jim looking dude. Something. Yeah. Uh, the other big news out of this is April is coming back. Yeah. Uh, it, it it this post claims that there's going to be an ultimate April sometime this year, which it's this is like three years too late. They should have had an ultimate April before they did most of these ultimate figures, but whatever, you know, I'm not in the production pipeline there. Uh, other than that, there's, there's not much actual news in the post. Uh, apparently Tempestra's possible, which at the rate they're releasing these, I can almost guarantee you Tempestra is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, also they mentioned that the Archie comics wrestling turtles might, might hit shelves, which would be dope. Yeah. But you got some cool accessories and, and mini baby turtles. Well, we knew about the baby turtles. I I want those so bad. Yeah, like that. Everything. You know, there th- these accessories. There may be some new stuff, but I'll I'll post a link to the post in uh, in the show notes. It's not much news, so let's let's keep it rolling. We we don't have any time to spare, Jeff. Let's see. Let's talk about. Okay, I've got I got a few few small things I want to go over. Um, Knockout City, we've talked about Knockout City like what four about four times now on this show, something like that, yeah. And every time we're like, hey, they're releasing Ninja Turtles packs. You buy this, buy that. Well, don't buy anything because that game is shutting down. Yeah. What? <laughs> There's a lot of there's a lot of like online games or or games that were supposed to be forever games that are shutting down uh, as of late. Yeah, so like season nine, they're saying it's going to be their last, and all the servers will be shut down on June sixth. They say they have more in store. I'm like, how how do you have more in store if you're shutting down? Okay. <laughs> I, I hope that they're they're not posting new things to sell. It's like, hey, give us give us ten bucks, so you can not play our game in June. Yeah, yeah. I I just can't believe like they just released that Bebop and Rocksteady stuff, right? Yeah. Well, but don't go buy that. And if you've already bought it, I apologize. Well, I mean, get in the you know get in your fun while you can. You know yeah. this. You know something like this because like the turtles look great. The bad guys look great. It's something that should have been like a physical release and had that content made available, you know, on disc or whatever. And that way you, you could have it without it being like, I don't think I don't think there's a big enough audience for that for that game to justify a physical release. Well, you know what I mean? Like. If if they're not able to to keep it online because there's not enough players buying things, then there's definitely not enough players playing it to justify Walmart having a copy of this thing. Yeah. And with it being a perpetually online game, if you don't have players online, you're kind of DOA. Yeah. Which is not really a fan of those types of games, but this one looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, Another small piece of news. This isn't news. This is just me stumbling upon something that's really funny and cool. Uh, Kevin Eastman, his studios online, uh, they p- 
periodically do he he does auctions right yeah and i stumbled upon an auction that is happening right now uh it is a auction for a teenage mutant ninja turtles leather jacket it has all four of the turtles on the back uh and it looks like they're in the style of the 80s cartoon kind of yeah I, i don't know who did the original art on this but it's vintage, so it definitely looks like a, a a jacket from the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And it comes with a certificate of authenticity. And right now, with a week left, the current bid is $1,756. Yoza. Yeah. Uh, which I guess makes sense. I uh, I doubt there's a bunch of these on eBay. Yeah, I don't think there are. Yeah, so so this is really not necessarily one of a kind, but it's definitely it. There aren't a lot of these. Yeah, in yeah. the in the description pretty, it says pretty rare. Yeah, saying so it's like it's a it's a very very rare run of a gorgeous styled all leather jacket according to the listing, and this was oh. Kevin's personal jacket. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, listen to this. During the production of the 1990 TMNT movie, a series of crew jackets were made with similar embroidered art. But a very, very rare run of gorgeous-styled all-leather jackets were made and given to only the Mirage artists. So, what, seven of these things, maybe? Something like that. That's wild. So, I guess go throw your money at this leather jacket, and I I hope you win it. Crew jackets were, like a really big thing like you know, for shows and movies and stuff back then, like especially like, you know, the X-Men nineties, like when I got to meet Cal Dodd, who was the voice of Wolverine, he had his full jacket leather, you know, uh, like yellow leather. It was just gorgeous. Really, really cool jacket. Yeah. This, this is a cool jacket. If, if I was a rich man, Jeff, I, I would absolutely bid on this. this. This would be something that I would just max out the bids. Like, I'll pay $14,000 for this. You're you know, not even just, going anywhere. You're just going to lounge in the house wearing it, walk around, oh yeah. you know. Yeah. It's probably too small for me. Either way. Either let's way. Move on. Let's move on. Uh, there's a real stupid-looking... <laughs> real stupid-looking uh, Super 7 glow-in-the-dark slash coming. Yeah, he looks like, uh, well, kind of a rare albino turtle. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, you, you know, I, it's documented how I don't dig glow-in-the-dark figures anyway. I, I don't really like variants of action figures. This is This just seems wholly unnecessary. Yeah. But if you're interested in something like that, check the show notes because there'll be a link to it. Like, it's, I mean, I get the novelty of it because we had all that, you know, glow-in-the-dark stuff was all the rage in the 80s and 90s. And I just, you know, I kind of dig it. I won't get the figure because it's just not really, you know, I don't need it. But I can appreciate the kind of that, that, that the nostalgia that it carries um, of kind of just keeping that kind of trend going. You're so kind. Such a kind-hearted man. Eh, well, you know, hey, look. <laughs> I like glow-in-the-dark stuff. I got a glow-in-the-dark. 
I didn't know this. I have a glow-in-the-dark uh, Ghostbusters hat. I didn't know until I turned the light off while I was leaving. I was like, oh, snap. Ghost is glowing in there. Oh, you were like, oh, snap back. It's a Velcro, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I got nothing for that. Just, uh, that's great. Um, okay, here's some, here's some news that I really want to talk about. Uh, on another podcast, the Hawk versus Wolf podcast, which is apparently Tony Hawk's uh, podcast, Seth Rogen uh, briefly discussed the TMNT Mutant Mayhem movie and the soundtrack that they're going to, you know, they're, they're looking to go for. And he was very excited because Seth Rogen is kind of excited about everything he's working on, which I can appreciate. Yeah. But he kind of, he basically said that it's going to have the same feel as some of those old Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtracks. Yeah. Which is rad. Like, I'm I'm pumped. Because, like, not only are we going to get amazing music, um, it's also going to probably, you know, be listened to by a bunch of kids at skate parks. That'd, and that'd be cool. Skating places and doing, you know, go on the street, wherever. I'm like, here's your playlist. Boom. Go. <laughs> Let's uh, go. He- he even said that some of the songs he thinks some of the songs in the movie are pulled directly from Tony Hawk. Like, Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, and the, the more I thought about it, the more it makes sense. Like the, the feel and the attitude of the Tony Hawk pro skater soundtracks is very punk. It's very hip hop. It's very, not necessarily counterculture, but kind of youth trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. And, you know, I can kind of equate ninjutsu or, you know, training like martial arts training to someone who is a skate, you know, skate, a skater, a skateboarder or whatever you want to call them. And trying to learn something incredibly difficult. And when you fail, it hurts. And as an adult, you don't want to do any of that. But as a child, as a as an adolescent, there's just so much energy and so much drive that it, those things in my in my eyes are just parallels. So for these 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 songs to have that same energy, it seems perfect. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So that's a that's good news about this new movie. Yeah. It's like a little, you know, little trickles here and there. I'm like, all right, come on. Come on, give us some stuff. <laughs> give us some more stuff. Uh, they're doing a good job of keeping everything under wraps. I'll tell, I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah. Oh, wait, and while we're on the topic of the movie, um, I did. While they don't have the marketing, uh, those healthy-ish pizza snacks out yet, the regular brands are out there, and I tried the pizza brand and. Save your money, folks. Buy, buy, buy all the other pizza everythings because I did not taste any pizza flavors whatsoever on that. You're referring to something we talked about for three minutes, like five episodes ago. I know, but I forgot about. It. I keep, I keep forgetting to tell you about it because I was like, oh, well, I just picked up a bag. I was like, and the, the trash. <laughs> Get some combos. The real oh, combos the real, are good. Yeah, the real pizza snack. Uh, we have one piece of news left, and then we have the anniversary. Um, 
Enjoy the ride or enjoy the tunes records uh, tomorrow at noon. Tomorrow would be Friday the 10th. Uh, this episode will definitely not be out by then. Uh, they are releasing a cassette of the Let's Kick Shell like collection of songs that they've apparently been selling for years. Huh. Yeah. Uh when when I when my buddy Alden actually when reality breached Alden and uh, he, he's also on the Dead Scene Kids uh, podcast sent this to me he was like here's something I bet you don't have and I was like well it goes on sale tomorrow so I definitely don't have it but I, like I went to the website and I was like those songs seem familiar it, it like it seems like I have this in some other you know m- medium. And I, I dove into my Ninja Turtles cabinet and pulled out a, a record that they sold that they sold me or some website sold me in 2015 that has those same five songs in that order with similar like art on the back of the the sleeve. So I, I this is real bootleggy. At least it looks it. Yeah, it does look a little janky. Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, they sold this original vinyl like, oh, limited edition, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure, you know, the pressing is or, you know, the art on it, but all of the songs are the same. And if you go to the website, there's still a few of the vinyl records left from a later pressing that it's like 20 bucks and it's got the same four songs. And the songs are TMNT opening theme uh, from... Turtles in Time, so not even the one from the show. Then Sewer Surfing, which is also from uh, Team and er, Turtles in Time. The Technodrome Let's Kick Shell, Technodrome The Final Shell Shock, both of which are from Turtles in Time. And then Team and T Closing Credits, which looks to be from the '87 cartoon. I don't know. I need to listen to it again. It's been a very long time, but. Now they're selling it as a cassette, which is I, I don't get it. I, I I understand why you would, you know, want your music on vinyl because yeah. the you know, the analog nature of the of of the medium makes it to where you can actually produce the music at a better quality, assuming you have the equipment to handle it. Cassette is a trash. It's it's a trash format. It always has been. It was it was developed so you could like listen to music in the car. I don't know if that's true. It just sounds like something that would be true. So this, this new uh, trend of people buying, putting stuff back on cassettes, like, Oh, it's like in the eighties. It's just super stupid. Yeah. Let, let people enjoy the stuff. (laughs) They want, if you kids out there want to go get the cassettes and the stuff and, and endure what we had to with it, you know, exploding everywhere and, pulling out of the deck and the ribbon, all that garbage, just go for it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'm not saying I'm in a mood, but this just, I'm probably going to buy it anyway. It's, <laughs> it's real dumb, but I kind of want to get it because of the different, different colors. And I don't know. I'm an idiot. Uh, so there's that. I don't know if it'll still be available by the time I post this episode, but there will be a link to it in the show notes. Uh, Jeff, what anniversary are we celebrating this week? 
the 20th anniversary of 2K3. Yeah. 20 years. I did not realize it had been so long. I hadn't either. Just kind of snuck up on me. Oh, like a ninja out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much like a ninja. Uh, 20 years is a very long time. And uh, as much as I love that show and as good as that show looks, it does look 20 years old. I think the the, the worst thing is, what was it, last year that the original show had some sort of anniversary and they were releasing stuff left and right? I don't know if it was last year. It doesn't matter. Whenever there's a major anniversary for either, either the movies or the original television show, the distributors go out of their way to be like, hey, it's the 30th. Oh, hey, it's the 35th. But uh, outside of a couple of social media posts, I don't see any celebration coming from, from Nickelodeon or anyone who may still have the rights to, the, to, to making discs or releases. or There's nothing. There's not a there's not a Netflix documentary. There's nothing. It uh, <laughs> headaches, just just headaches. It's yeah. You know, a company could have gotten you know Viacom's not the best at putting stuff out. I mean, just look what they did to to two K twelve. We're gonna put all of it out on DVD. And not even make new new discs. And here's a janky, crappy box. Wait, you're putting an HD series on DVD. Okay, that's smart. Um, so we know they're not smart. Um, they no, they are smart, but they're, they're we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna <laughs> fight about this again. Yeah, I'm I, I'm right about this. Anyway, yeah, no, so, no, it, they're they're smart because they know what will make them money. Anyway. I doubt it's sold because people are not happy with it. Anyway, all of it should be on Blu-ray, upscaled, because it looks really good on Paramount. Yeah, and that's what they want you to pay for. They want you to pay for Paramount+. Plus. That's their business model now. That's everyone's business model now. Yeah. Why would they, you know, cut their feet off by releasing them to disc when they can just take your money every month and you can watch them on their streaming platform but that sir is our uh that's our news yeah let's take our doctor prescribed break and then we'll talk about some tv yeah and we're back uh well jeff uh, what is what is our main topic this episode we are finishing out the Season three of 2K12. That is correct. Uh, this is the the first animated t- television show from Nickelodeon uh, that started in 2012. Uh, we've already covered all of seasons one and two, uh, and two thirds of season three. Today we're going to talk about what eight episodes, nine episodes. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a nice chunk, but I it. Did these just fly by when you were watching them like they did for me? Yeah. Yeah, like there's there's some really entertaining episodes here. Oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, and, and I can't wait till we get to that season finale. Neither can I. Yeah, because, boy, is that an episode. Um, yes. The episode, Jeff, that we're starting with 
is Turtles in Time. Yeah. Uh, a name we have we are very familiar with. And a story that we're pretty familiar with as well. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into all of this, what what'd you think of the last eight episodes of season three? Man, what a freaking ride. Like, <laughs> so much going on. I'm getting more used to Seth Green as Leo. It's still not quite there for me. I still like the Jason Biggs better. Um but he's he's growing on me. Yeah, yeah. Like I never did hear Chris Griffin, but it, like it's it's good to know that that Seth Green has some range when it comes to voice acting because I was re- when they initially announced him as replacing uh, Jason Biggs, I was very worried that it would be Chris Griffin as the you know leader of the Turtles, and that just doesn't work. Well, the thing about his Chris voice is he has to do something weird and like deeper for that. So I can understand why you would think he would do that, but it's just his regular speaking voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the, like, the one thing old interviews he was like, I've only got that one voice, and you know, <laughs> unless uh, you're kind of a weird nerd guy from. Um, uh, robot chicken is like, oh man, unicorns are so cool, you know, just like that. <laughs> I totally forgot robot chicken was his thing. Yeah, I think it's still going. I don't know. That's insane. It's that's what twenty. That's not what we're talking about. Um, you know what's cool though? Here's another cool fun fact. Um, he is actually the same height as a real Ninja Turtle. Daddy <laughs> <laughs> guy. <laughs> I did get I did get to meet him at a convention. He was really cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like all, everything I hear about the dude is that he's he, he's a good dude. One thing about this this season and this run of episodes is the the glue that they tr- that they you know try to hold the season together with the like the Karai backstory like the Karai oh we you know we have to to, to find Karai and remove the the brain worm from her head like it's flimsy it's real flimsy and a lot of these episodes would work better as just a standalone episode where they don't mention the Karai stuff yeah uh not that it's that big of a deal but you don't have to mention it every single episode i will give you that because it's really a dumb plot point. <laughs> but if you think about it in terms of like maybe somebody missed an episode or something like that, you know, I could understand that from that point of view. Maybe. But but, but again, if someone missed an episode, if this is a standalone story, it's still not necessary. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Let's jump into Turtles in Time, Jeff. Yes, let's. When the turtles encounter a, a clumsy time master in training named Renette, they must help her in retrieving her time-controlling scepter from an evil mutant time master known as Savanti Ramiro in medieval England. So it's <laughs> Turtles in Time is absolutely the Turtles in Time story. We get Renette, we get Savanti Ramiro, we 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 have all of this in glorious 3D anim- animation, and it's not a direct. Uh, adaptation of the book, the original comic book, but it's close enough 
to pull on those, you know, th- those nostalgia strings that we like so much, right? Yeah. Uh, and the casual Turtles fans, you know, who aren't familiar with the comic books, they, they you know, they still have their nods because the Scepter, of course, is in TMNT three. So I'm I'm sure a lot of the people watching this are like, oh, that's from the movie. That's a fair thing to say, but we, you know, we know that it's from the original comic, which that's kind of what the movie was pulling from. Yeah. What'd you think of this adaptation? I, you know, it, it's no uh, surprise to any of our listeners that I absolutely love Renette. I love, I love time travel. She's just, you know, as, as goofy and as bungling uh, and ditzy, <laughs> um, you know, as ever. Um, and she is voiced by Ashley Johnson. Um, and she does a fantastic job at being, you know, delivering those comedic lines and being sweet and just goofy and being serious at the same time. So it's a, that was a very good, um, good pick. Yes, yes. And, and and the it's funny that you say, you know, Renette, you know, is a ditz and she always had been played as a ditz. ditz. I think that. In this adaptation, they kind of scaled that back a little bit. They did, um, they, which is fine. They, what they what they played up was her her youth and inexperience and being clumsy. And she's clumsy. You know, she yeah. doesn't know what she's really doing. She's clumsy, and you know, she has the gusto to be like, "No, I'm going to figure this out." You know, even yeah. though she has no idea what she's doing. Yeah, which is honestly that is the more appropriate appropriately modern take on the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do appreciate that. They, they kept her, her character traits without making it seem out of date. It will end. Savante Romero, they, they played him exactly as they should have. Dude was like so fierce looking. I absolutely loved the way he looked in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they went back to medieval England uh, and let's see, the the end of the episode had them teleporting out, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't get home, which which is cool. Uh, that, that means this is kind of a multi-part episode. Love those. Uh, what, one thing that we have to talk about is Michelangelo having a crush on Renette. Yeah. He was like, I ain't going to. He's like, hey, you can find me ever interested in no girl. And then. <laughs> All of a sudden, this giant time window just door opens from the sky, and then here flies out Renette, and he goes to catch her, and he's like, well, it hit him hard. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it, we know that, you know, turtle and human romances that like that's inherently a weird topic that I, it's it's weird that they tried to touch on this the entire series. Donatello has a crush on April. Uh, Leonardo has a crush on uh, Karai. Yeah. Or at least it's implied. Michelangelo is is Renette. And I don't want to spoil anything, but they, Raphael has one as well. Yeah. yeah. Later in the show. So it's incredibly weird. And 
even though they got a lot of criticism for the whole Donatello April stuff, they stuck to their guns. Yeah. And kept those plots in the show through the entire run. So, so good, good on them. Look, I mean, you know, I'm not, there's stuff I could say, not going to go there, but you know, it's a freaking kid show. (laughs) You just throw all like sanity out the window and just, you know, just go with it. Uh, what else you got for uh, Turtles in Time? Oh, my God. Do I ever have a plethora of, of nuggets? Oh, it's like a whole 12 piece nugget. Yeah, like a big, you know, with, you know, all the extra sauce. Cool. Um, so when we first meet Renette, she's so happy to see the turtles. They're called the Turtle Warriors. She's like, this is so much cooler than hanging out with Genghis Khan and Billy the Kid and Socrates, or as some of you people may know, Socrates. So that is, of course, a reference to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, one of my favorite okay. movies. Um, this is another really cool thing. You haven't watched this movie yet, but you've heard me talk about it a lot. So we know that Lord Simultaneous and... Actually, the the way that the time windows slash doors or whatever appear, that is from Time Bandits. That's also a, a nod to that fantastic film. Okay. And let's see. I love Michelangelo's D&D speak. Um, <laughs> the, the Goofy Knights kind of give me like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail vibe. Yeah. Um, the entire time at the cemetery, I got heavy, like army of darkness vibes. So when like Donatello, when all the skeleton warriors rise from their graves, Donatello is hit by, he's got like the beard and everything. And so like three of the skeletons pull on, you know, uh, three pieces of the facial hair, which was also what happened to Ash in Evil Dead. Uh, Army of Darkness, sorry. Um, and then the way that the skeleton warriors looked was very um, Ray Harryhausen, the stop motion animation uh, done for Jason and the Argonauts. Um, I absolutely love that movie. I love skeleton warriors. Um, always been a thing. You do have a lot of nuggets. <laughs> I do, and probably one of the one of the biggest ones is when they're uh, Renette's on a horse. She does like the Xeno Warrior Princess yell. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a that's a name drop. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff packed into this. I was like, come on, you know, pick up on all of it. Wow. I, I think I caught the Bill and Ted's one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I caught, I don't know. I, I, I definitely caught the Bill and Ted one. Yeah. Oh, good. So, okay. Yeah. Like the, this, this episode was, was surprisingly, uh, what am what am I trying to say? It's, it's stuck close enough to the comic that I was, I was very surprised at the execution here. Yeah, because th- this show, while clearly inspired by a lot of, you know, what came before it, 
there's not a lot of adaptations of specific stories. Yeah. So th- this 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 episode really stands out for that reason. It really does. And, you know, and like yeah. we as we've mentioned before, the 2K12 series is a beautiful melting pot of everything. So you're going to have stuff, you know, here and there, but this was more of a focus on on the Mirage comic, which I really really enjoyed. The yeah. fights in this were fantastic. Just all the madness that ensued was just this was one of the funnest episodes it really was um but let's move on to a not fun episode oh man (laughs) hit me where i live tale of the yokai uh it's it 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 is basically the the second half of the two-part episode and it is a much heavier story than what turtles in time had uh the let's see the synopsis uh now trapped in tokyo uh japan's not too distant past uh after an accident with Renette's time scepter the turtles encounter a 16 year younger hamato yoshi and oroku saki in the middle of their escalated rivalry over tang shin's heart uh, and the infant miwa's stolen life and future as karai so I love what they did with Hamato Yoshi and Saki in the like in this adaptation. They didn't change much, but they changed enough and they found a clever way to put that on screen without not including the turtles. Like it would be easy to tell this story without the turtles at all. But the name of the show is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have to have the turtles in there somewhere, right? Right. So they found a way to put them in there and make them relevant to the story while also telling a tragic story uh, with the death of Tang Shin and the kidnapping of, of Miwa. It, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. This and I, I agree 100 percent. This was this was a story that you couldn't really I don't want to say necessarily tell on television like maybe 10, 20 years ago. But it's not something that you would have seen on a kid's show 20-something years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the um, the nature of uh, everything involved in the sense of – they used to play stuff very safe, not have death, not have you know anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they even had to fight to get Spider-Man's origins on uh, uh, the Spider-Friends. Getting to see this, like, I, I wasn't prepared because, you know, I didn't watch this entire run as it aired and, and whatnot. So a lot of these, almost all of these episodes are fresh and new to me. And so getting to see the way everything played out, it was just perfectly mapped out to where you had you had some character growth. You actually had some character stuff for Oroku Saki that wasn't just gonna kill Oroku, gonna kill you know Hamata Yoshi, gonna kill the turtles. I'm like, you know, because this version of the Shredder, we've talked about him. He's a little boring. He's not like the IDW Shredder that has you know all this stuff mapped and planned out. He's just a regular guy. Yeah. You know, and I I want some more dimensions to my Shredder. Instead of just mean, angry guy. Right. I and I agree. The um, 
they, they told the story, you know, in, in one of the early episodes, like, hey, this is what happened with, you know, Saki and, and, and Yoshi. And it, it was all told in flashback. It was just basically to bring us up to speed. You know, there was no proper origin episode for any of this. But to be there and to experience, you know, the the tension between the two characters, specifically over Tang Shen and the future of Miwa and the, the fact that Tang Shen was literally it was a love triangle. It was what it, what is best for me and my child who can you know be the best provider for us in the future like it. It's some really like it's a mature topic for a kid's show. Yeah. And that's not even considering the death that happens and the kidnapping that happens. Yeah. And, you know, the, the complete destruction of a family. So I, I absolutely appreciate being on the ground and being able to see all of these things take place rather than it just be, you know, a footnote in a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, I love this episode. If 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 that wasn't already uh, apparent, yeah, I did too. Um, and we get we we get some a lot of really fun stuff. Um, you know, apart from the sadness, you know, uh, <laughs> well, to then, show me your nuggets, Jeff. Your nuggets. So, of course, you know, anytime when you're dealing with time travel, if you you know, mess with stuff, you you can you can change the future. So they're they're meddling and then they Donatello pulls out his shell cell and looks at the photos and like, Oh no, Casey's disappearing. And I was like, Oh no, that's a back to the future reference. Not an, Oh no, in a bad way. But I'm like, Hey, now <laughs> we got you. We got you. Um, I absolutely loved the, uh, the turtles versus the red ninjas scene. The lighting on that was just tremendous and just so much fun. Uh, for them to just, you know, mess with those guys' heads. And you get a little bit of, uh, you know, Japanese lore about, you know, yokai and, and stuff. And um, that was always uh, fascinating. Um, um, then that's pretty much, you know, that's I don't have a whole lot of other stuff. That's about it for that one. But this was this was a really... You know, as I already said, you know, a really great um, backstory seeing those characters and like you kind of going forward, you look at them a little differently now. Yeah. 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 When when you pitch a TV show, a, a Turtles TV show, this is the kind of episode you hope it's filled with. Yeah, because it was, you know, because we've gotten, you know, light fair and stuff and like 2K3 was, you know. It, it got darker. It handled some, you know, some mature stuff. And, you know, we're we're looking for that. So this was a very mature while staying, you know, still having a smattering of, you know, goofy and stuff like that in there. But it's as we've seen in the past, these the show can tackle all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and they tackle all that and still remain true to the characters and story. Yeah. You know, anything that they changed was for the better. Not necessarily the better, but the better for the story they're telling. You know, it, it it wasn't just let's do something bonkers for the sake of doing something bonkers. You know, right. Uh, but let's jump to episode three. Episode three. 
or episode. Not, yeah, ep- the third episode we're talking about today. Oh, uh, okay. and that is Attack of the Mega Shredder. The turtles attempt to steal one of the Shredder's worms in order to make a cure for the mind control serum, uh, only for them to face Shredder's biggest mutant yet. Uh, It turns out to be a mutant made up of all of the other mutants. Uh, The other mutant Shredders, you know, Claw Shredder and Mini Shredder and Shiva Shredder. All of them became uh, Kaiju Shredder. Would that that be a good way to put it? I guess Mega Shredders, the... the technical name basically uh, yeah yeah this is this is the first of a few episodes where the turtles are just trying to do something and they ruin everything yeah uh <laughs> like buildings and probably people in new york city are just destroyed and killed by this this kaiju and it's the turtles fault just yeah. absolutely their fault so what'd you think of this one Man, you know, so you know my love of tokusatsu and, you know, monsters and robots and stuff. And this this was a really fun one. Um, I didn't necessarily like the design of the Mega Shredder um, as much. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it would have been cooler if he was like, you know, it's just like a weird blob looking thing, you know. It's like a, it's like a, you know, if you like combine all of the Play-Doh places, <laughs> you know, in, yeah. into one, you know, combo deal. Um, but the, the effectiveness of the creepy factor was definitely there, especially with the appearance of like Arukosaki weird half tongue half mantis pointy claw thing that oh god that thing creeped me out yeah it, it it's less of a character and more of just a amorphous blob of shredder features yeah you know and uh, it worked for the story they were telling but like i don't want a mega shredder action figure yeah no you it, know it it, it it it's not it's not appealing <laughs> No, it did not lend itself very well to to that at all. Yeah. Uh, but coming off of the heavy episode before it, I guess this one's a, you know a lighthearted romp through New York. Yeah. But I'm just not super. I don't really have much to say about it. All of the everything that happens in this episode is in service of getting a mind control worm, so they can study it. You know. And again, that's it's just that sliver of a of an ongoing story in here. Yeah. That I guess technically they're moving it the story forward with it. It just seems like it didn't have to be that. You know, it they didn't have to justify the kaiju story the way they did. And I don't. I, I guess I I complain that the '87 cartoon isn't. You know, it doesn't really have an ongoing story, so I guess they're giving me what I want, and I'm like, no, I don't want that. So just ignore me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, 87 had some loose connections. Yeah. But, and it did get more story, you know, oriented later. Yeah. 
so you got any uh, nuggets? Because I don't have much of anything else. Let's see. Uh, oh, that stupid, <laughs> that weird stealth. Was it trash mark all terrains? Uh, uh, stealth vehicle. Oh, that was probably my favorite part. It was so it was so ridiculous. It was a dumpster that just cr- scooted real slowly. Like, Very slowly. It, it was almost like it was parroting, par- parroting like all of my, my, uh, Donatello's inventions, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was very it was very self parody, and I I dig that. Yeah, and then like of course we get a, a Star Wars reference when Raphael uh, is inside. He's like, well, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it was cool seeing the you know the mutant Shredder clones. Um, again, and sadly the last time I, I was kind of hoping that they would you know be a bigger part. Um. Cause it's always fun seeing those guys. I always like those. And there's there's Godzilla nods on the on the back of the monster that have you know, the Godzilla's fins. And this is a this is a weird reference, but like uh, Rocksteady and Bebop, and and uh, there's at one point where Rocksteady is like, "Well, this is another fine mess that you've gotten me in, gotten us into." And that's that line was made popular by Oliver Hardy from Laurel and Hardy, the old black and white shorts. Uh, from way back. Wow, that that's a that is a deep deep cut. Yeah, I, of which I just happen to be a big fan of. Well, then let's let's move on to the creeping doom. Oh yes. After Michelangelo fools around in his lab, an accident causes Donatello's intelligence to drop rapidly, uh, as well as revive both the creep and Snakeweed, who I forgot was dead. Yeah. Yeah, so so we we create this this creep slash snakeweed like hybrid, while also making Donatello dumb and not able to uh, undo what Michelangelo has done. Which this isn't the first time Michelangelo has just been hanging out in Donatello's uh, lab and just bothering the crap out of him. So I, I like that they brought that back. Uh, this is a fun episode. Really I, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, entirely necessary, you know, to to, you know, move the story farther. But Donatello being dumb is that's a that's a fun that's a fun trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the creeping doom? Anytime. Anytime that you do, you know, turtles and horror. It just it works out so well. Mm hmm. Um, and this one, man, this was a really fun episode. Um, I love the, you can definitely tell, um, with the creep, you know, you've got a combination of like Jason Voorhees meets Swamp Thing meets Man Thing all kind of roped into one. Yeah. And of course, you could you could hear the ch ch ch. You could hear that, and it just oh, it just adds to that creepy, eerie you know vibe. Um, I I really really enjoy the because there's a lot of horror nods uh, all throughout this series because the showrunner's a big horror guy. Yeah. Um, 
so this was this was a lot of fun. Um, there's uh, and and we get to see, and, and because of Mikey meddling, Donatello accidentally spills some stuff on him, and he becomes stupid. Yes. So we get to see some really, I think, shining comedic Dumatello moments. Dumatello. Dumatello. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and it's it. Ron Paulson just brings it, man. It's just so delightful. Um, you know, flexing those comedic chops. <laughs> um, and of course we get to see the uh, like how <laughs> you get two different like like movie type titles. They were like, it was like, oh, Snake Week's back. Was like, oh, son of Snake Weed. I was like, yeah, because that, that works. And then probably the best out of anything, Swamp Creatures 2, Electric Swampaloo. <laughs> 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 Which is a nod, excuse me, to break into Electric Boogaloo, the movie. Yep. And we get, so we've got the Shell Razor and we've got, is it, do they, Correct me if I'm wrong. They call it the Turtle Van because they have two. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't know what they call it in this show, but it's you know it's modeled after the party wagon. So. Yeah. So. Pretty sure it's. Let's see if we can find it. Yeah. This this uh, Turtlepedia article mentions party wagon. I don't oh. I don't know how ac- accurate that is. Um. Well. So they're using, you know, both vehicles uh, in this. And one of the weapons that pops up is a mounted deer head that shoots freaking flamethrower flames out of its eyeballs. (laughs) So every time I see any kind of like mounted deer head, I always think of of Evil Dead, the, the deer head in the cabin. Yeah. Um. And there's actually a moment where uh, Donatello gets his, you know, he's Mikey wants to fix everything. And so it was like Dr. Mixologist uh, just mixing all this weird stuff and a pepperoni. And I was like, and he's like, he's like, you don't know what you're doing. Don't don't, you know, just just mess with stuff. And then Donatello's like, ooh, drink and drinks it. And it was like, and he became even dumber. But then that was actually the cure. Um which is incredibly convenient. It's very convenient. Um, and so when Donnie shows back up, he's got some, he, he's armed to the teeth. Um, so was it a retro mutagen, like weed killer type concoction? <laughs> and the first lines he says, is like, come get some. And I was like, that's, that's Ash. It's Ash Williams. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this episode a lot. Uh, it's it's really it's you know it's disposable. I I really like dumb Donatello, but again the how they fix everything is just incredibly incredibly convenient. Yeah. But how else were they going to do it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is the last time where we see Snakeweed. It's the last time we see. Uh, the creep. Yeah. 
We hardly knew ye. We did. Uh, Snakeweed was actually in the the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there a Metallica song named The Creeping Death? Maybe. Ah, Creeping Death. Yes. Yeah. A song by Metallica. So that's that's just what the title makes me think of. Oh, yeah. Um, let's move on to the fourfold trap. All right. After being kidnapped uh, by the hypnotized Karai, the turtles are placed in deadly traps that they must work together in order to escape. Yeah, must work together in order to escape. Splinter, in his efforts to save the turtles, is forced to face his daughter Karai in order to free her from Shredder's mind control. So this is kind of the 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 season's plot coming to a head, you know. We finally fix the the Karai's being uh, controlled, you know, plot point. But the episode itself is really, really bizarre. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's really odd that Karai, instead of just killing the turtles, she makes them participate in these saw-like puzzle rooms. Yeah. Uh, it... You know, you just said that, you know, when the turtles do horror stuff, you, you can't go wrong. I think them trying to do a Saw episode might be doing something wrong. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, there's some fun moments in this episode. I just don't love the premise. What about you? I kind of dig it. Um, You know, just being stuck in those weird rooms with all those traps and stuff, though, like, uh, uh-uh. you know, it just doesn't sit well with me because I'm not a fan of, you know, like escape rooms or whatever and stuff like that. Um, but that another, you know, you could classify this as kind of a horror, like a psychological horror, um, you know, type episode. Um, cause like, you know, you got to think your way out of these, you know, enclosed spaces um it was it was a lot of fun i, I like um i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into some nuggets okay um real quick um we get to see master splinter on a giant hamster wheel for a minute <laughs> i've never seen that in any any of this and I was like, wait, what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird reminder that Splinter is a rat. Yeah. Like, well, good exercise. It's a very good exercise. Michelangelo is playing a Pokemon type game with Ice Cream Kitty. And Ice Cream Kitty is cheating, which is adorable. We have some interesting names for all the traps. Um, so Raphael's is... The hothead trap. It's four walls with like appearing heat windows. Um, Leo's is the courage slayer, which is a giant disco ball of doom with blades. Uh, Donatello's is the brain boggler, which he's hooked up to a video game and what looks to be a combination of Tetris and Rubik's Cube type 
stuff. I'd say it's more Tetris. It uh, reminds me of that that Tetris World, not Tetris World. What that 3D Tetris that was on uh, Nintendo 64? Was it Tetris Sphere? Tetris Sphere. Was that right? No, I guess. Yeah, Tetris Sphere. Except instead of a sphere, it's it, it was a uh, a box, a cube. New Tetris? No, I don't think that was it. Tetris Sphere, man, that's what it's called. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Michelangelo's is probably the the biggest callback. He's in the Flushomatic. Mm-hmm. Which is an original Playmates toy. That yeah yeah that that's that's a really good callback. Um, I love Splinter's cheese phone. <laughs> that's one of the most subtly funny things they've ever done. And it's it's obviously a nod to the '60s Batman. Uh, with you know you've got the special phone. It, yeah, I guess it could be. Yeah. It, it being a cheese phone is hilarious. Absolutely love it. And I love his fights with freaking Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, that was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, and they're, the whole time they're trying to figure out, you know, how to help Karai. You know, she's still she's in she reverts in and out of human and mutant form. Um, and that whole fight was just really intense uh, between Splinter and, and her. And you know, they're trying to figure out you know, how to get her back. And he uses this healing hand technique and like strikes her at multiple different points. Um, and eventually, she ends up throwing up the worm. Yes. Uh, this <laughs> You know how I feel about Master Splinter's mystic, like, massages he gives these characters like uh, ooh, that's ooh phrasing <laughs> it's like oh i'm gonna do fancy things with my fingers and it's gonna make you throw up the thing that we happen to need you to throw up and uh, i'm not a huge fan of it i uh, that's all the stuff all it's just real it's all different chakra points and stuff and pressure points and it's all coming from you know it's are the is real in sneer quotes here no uh, okay <laughs> i'm not saying that people don't practice it but the realness of it is I'm, i would call all of that into question i'm not going to poke somebody and they have to throw up that that's not how real life works no i was going to say for your birthday i was going to find like an old like you know martial arts master and we're gonna have this you know it's like oh this is like, it's just like taking you to a magician you're like oh this is all fake and it is real how do you do that you know so you know <laughs> yes you know and that's the thing magicians are liars it's a great fun time to have sergio be drunk and go to a, a, a visit a magician i say this is all fake oh god i would pay for that it's like I get that sleight of hand is a talent and congratulations that you can trick people, but that's what you're doing is tricking people. You're not doing magic. Magic isn't a thing. And folks tonight, you've learned one more thing that Sergio can't stand. <laughs> I hope everyone at home that's playing, um, is taking notes. 
And at the end of the uh, podcast, uh, please write in uh, to P.O. Box. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why. I don't know why I I have such weird opinions about such regular stuff, but that's that's the charm of you. Magic has always pissed me off for some reason. Uh, what else do you have? Let's 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 get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to keep going. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's about all I've got. Um, for oh no, wait, there are there are some other nuggets. Um, that's about all that I've got for um, the nuggets. No, all right, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that they finally finished the Karai story that they were telling the whole season. Yeah. Or, I guess, the, the whole back half of the season, because it wasn't that compelling. Um, where they leave the end of the season makes the Karai story e- seem even less compelling. Yeah. So let's keep moving uh, right. and talk about dinosaur scene in sewers. Okay, Raphael meets and befriends a delusional alien dinosaur known as Zog, the Triceraton. However, after it attacks the mutanimals and is reputable for being feared by the Krang, it turns out Zog is not a good dude. Uh, is Is there more to the savage alien dinosaur than meets the eye? So Zog's here, man. Triceratons are here. So happy. Yeah, yeah. Raphael meeting and befriending Zog in the sewers and him, you know, not having not having enough nitrogen to breathe in the atmosphere. Like so much of this is pulled directly out of the comic. Yeah, Uh, it's they're telling a completely different story because this was the lead up to return, return to New York in the comics. That's not the story they're telling right now. No. But it's again, just just like the Savant, the Savante Ramiro episode, like this tugs enough of the nostalgia strings to really perk me up while I'm, you know, watching the episode going, oh, what what where are they going with this? You know, so things go real sideways in this one. What'd you think of Dinosaur Scene in Sewers? Man, you know how much I love um, me some Triceratons. Yep. And um, we get some stellar performances from the Triceratons. Uh, and it's uh, Lance Erickson is the voice of Zog. Um, it's Henriksen. Henriksen, sorry. Henriksen. Uh, Lance Henriksen is the voice of Zog. You'll know him as Bishop um, in Aliens. Yep. He was also in the show Millennium? Millennium, yeah. He was like, in some X-Files episodes. And he was also in a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. He was he was the android in Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good pull. Like Lance Henriksen playing Zog is th- good job. Good job, guys. Just a great deep, gruffly, grizzly voice that was just perfect. Um, God, man, I you know we've seen the Triceratons in two K three. Um, and some, and, you know, in the 87 cartoon very briefly, um, but I would say they're absolutely their most menacing 
in in 2K12. Like the size of them, they're just behemoths, and you're just like, there's no way you're going to be able to take these guys down. <laughs> and it's it's I I love it because they're just they're almost in you know unstoppable. Right. Uh, this th- this episode it's another fantastic one. They they they, they pull enough from previous versions of the turtles and they're telling an original story that clearly has a lot to say a, a, a lot of places to go uh how does this one end let's see yes uh, th- this ends with zog activating a beacon and summoning the rest of the triceraton army to earth to exterminate all of the krang that are hiding on the planet yeah and to do that they plan on destroying earth yeah, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, so so the stakes are pretty high at, at this point in the story, and to think that the tur- you know, four mutant turtles are what is defending the entire Earth is it's a bit out of their pay grade, you know. Yeah, and th- there have been other stories, you know, in turtles lore where the Triceratons attack Earth. Like that, that's that is well-worn ground at this point. So seeing that in this show it, and them being able to pull it off because, you know, because of the animation style and the the size of the story, I, I it's it's really the right direction to take this this show because everything else they've really dealt with has been very grounded or down to earth or very personal to, to what they, you know, have to do. This is way bigger than them. Uh, and at yeah. this point in the show, they kind of need something like that. They most certainly do. Now, what nuggets do you have? Uh, well, we get our favorite uh, bad guys back. We get the Krang back, uh, which is always nice to see. Yeah. Um, we, uh, during the... Uh, Krognard episode, we see a multi-headed dragon, um, which I don't know if this is a pull or not, but to me it seemed like it was a nod and kind of a reference to the old um, um, 80s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon with Tiamat, the dragon that had all the different heads, mm-hmm. um, which is love the design of that dragon. It's really cool. I love the the tabloid in the sewer with the uh, the Dino Man, you know, uh, just you know, you're just trash, you know, news thing that you would find on on the racks, and it's like got the dinosaur head and like a muscle muscly man's body with like wearing speedos, <laughs> which was just <laughs> on par for those for those rags. We've got. Quite a bit of Ghostbusters references in this. Yeah. And of course, that you know, they're going after the Statue of Liberty again. It's just a hot spot for whatever. Insert. (laughs) Insert desperate turtles plot here. Yeah. (laughs) And so the Krang are occupying the Statue of Liberty. And as the turtles and Zog make their way, you know, through the interiors, Zog's gear is in the top of the statue for some reason. 
Unless, because that's the most flashy place for it to be, Jeff. Well, I, that, that's the only thing Like I, I felt like there should have been like an explanation, like maybe he was living in there. But wouldn't they have noticed a giant freaking dino man? Maybe. Like, I, I, I guess, I don't know. It's not the tallest. It's nowhere near the tallest point in in uh, New York. So, again, it's because it's flashy. That's all. That's the only reason. Yeah. And so as Zog is going through his box of stuff, uh, the first thing he picks up is a nod to the original NES Advantage uh, arcade controller, which was also in used in Ghostbusters 2 to control the Statue of Liberty. Wow. Yep. So that's like a that's like a double a double nugget. Well, we're about to get a triple nugget because uh when Zog puts on his gear, which includes the atmosphere um or the um I don't say atmosphere converter, uh whatever he has on him to make him breathe nitrogen. Mm-hmm. He knocks Raphael out or stuns him with his gun. And when he comes to and the turtles find him, in the background, you can see etched on the wall, Vankman was here. So, of course, nod to Peter Vankman from yep. Ghostbusters. Which I was like, that's the most blatant nod. <laughs> <laughs> In case you missed all these other things. <laughs> right. But you know me. I, I, I just catch them all as much as I can. Um, that's about, oh, one of the biggest things they watched the, uh, the, the final episode of Krognard. Yes, they did. Which was a humongous bummer. Yep. Krognard dies. Just gets eaten. That's it. (laughs) I, I, I love these shows that they watch and all, you know, and it's all the same voice actors. <laughs> and I absolutely love that because it's a nod to Filmation when you had all this kind of like, you know, cookie cutter He-Man and, um, you know, Star Trek, the animated series, you know, type animation. They would use a lot of the same uh, voice actors kind of throughout, um, which is good because if you've got a good good group of people that can do these voices – um, but I love that it's just a tremendous love letter, you know, to that era of animation. Yeah. Um, so I'm sad to see Krognard go, but I can't wait to see what's next. I don't know what's next, so I want to kind of be surprised. Honestly, I don't know. I can't remember if there is even a next because where this season ends up, I, I don't know if the plot carries or the, the plot can handle another TV show. I I don't know. I've, I've, it's been a while since I've seen it. I think we get another one. Um, we'll just wait and see. But this episode directly leads into the, the plot of the next season. So let's get to the the big, big finale. Yeah. Annihilation Earth, parts one and two. Yeah. Part one, uh, after learning that the Earth is in danger of being invaded by both the Krang uh, in their repaired Technodrome and the Triceraton Empire, uh, the Turtles, April, Casey, Leatherhead, and a Krang rebel known as Bishop, yeah, must work together to take out the Technodrome before the Triceratons arrive and wipe out the Earth. Uh, 
that like their stealth introduction of both the Utrams and Bishop in this episode, like neck breakingly fast. Yeah. I loved it so much. I did too. Like, you know, in the first season when they're like all these, you know, these characters are, the, they're the Krang. It's a race of beings. I was like, all right, well then I guess the Utrams don't, aren't a thing. And then they found a way to shoehorn the Utrams in there and make them good guys. Yeah. It, it's, it's fantastic. Just again, the, the melting pot mentality of this entire show is lovely. And Bishop, there was no reason to introduce a Bishop and they found a way to do it like at the last second of this season and just mwah, fantastic. Chef kiss. Yes. Just the, the most deliciously served up steak you could possibly eat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like they explain why, uh, Krang subprime who is voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. They explain why he doesn't sound like the rest of the Krang. Like they do so, so much to glue plot points together and make things make sense. It, it really felt like star Wars episode three. And trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Like okay. star Wars episode three had the, it had the, uh, the tall task of gluing the prequel stuff to the original trilogy. Yeah. And there was a lot of like wiping away of narrative and changing stuff at the very last second. And Hey, no, this is, this is why we're ghosts now, you know? And this episode voluntarily did a lot of stuff that we weren't even asking for. We didn't, we didn't need to know why Krang subprime didn't speak in Krang speak. It's Gilbert Gottfried. Like, we're not going to complain about that. Exactly. But it did it anyway. So it's just it's so much fun. Such a good episode. High action, high stakes. Uh, next to perfect. Like, and it just, and like you said, it answered so many questions that we had. I'm like, why do the Krang look the way they do? And, like, and we find out they stole it from Bishop. Mm-hmm. And his, his speak and his language, but he speaks regular you know sentences <laughs> yeah um which i i really really like so it's kind of you know it's that kind of a beautiful combination of you know the krang and the utroms and it's i did i honestly did not see this coming i did not expect to see this which i and i was so very pleasantly surprised and i hope we see more of bishop because uh, that was great it, it really was. Uh, we get to see Roadkill Rodney's. Oh, we do get to see Roadkill Rodney's. That's that's right. Oh, this thing is so freaky, too. Um, and we get Commander Mozar, mm-hmm. who is voiced by the incredible Michael Dorn. Yes. The, Michael Dorn is um Star Trek, right? Yes, he played Worf on Next Year. He was Year. Worf, yeah. Yeah. That just amazing commanding voice. Um, I love it when he plays bad guys. <laughs> yeah. It, I just so many old turtles like references and plot points here. 
I was already, you know, I was already a huge fan of the show when I was watching it, and and I, I I always felt that they were creating something unique and also properly doing an homage to what came before, and th- this these two episodes are kind of the pinnacle of that. Yeah, you know, like Bishop was not in any of the old comics. He wasn't in the original cartoon. This is literally name dropping a character from the second cartoon. Yeah. You know, from the 2K3 cartoon that while hugely popular, not nearly as popular as anything in the eighties. Right. Yeah. So this is, I guess this would be a deep cut. Yeah. Like in, in a way that, I, I I did not see just like you didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming, and it's a wonderful surprise. the The story itself, you know where this is going. You know what has to happen, and you expect the turtles to stop it at the last moment. Yeah, you know. Let's. I'm gonna go ahead and read the synopsis for the second half, and then we can talk about all of them together. Uh, even after recruiting, re- recruiting, rec- recruiting the mutanimals and some old friends to help, uh, with Michelangelo kidnapped and time running out for the Earth, the Turtles must stage a rescue uh, for their youngest brother from the Triceraton Empire. Uh, meanwhile, Splinter and the Shredder are forced are forced to form an uneasy alliance to stop the Triceratons from activating a device that creates a lethal black hole that will swallow all of the Earth. All of that is happening in one episode. It is just just rich and thick with with plot lines and 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 drama and action and alliances. The the Shredder and Splinter alliance I did not see coming, but 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 the way the episode ends, I absolutely saw that coming. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's spoil that. The, the Shredder, of course betrays Splinter and straight up backstabs him. I don't want to say full on backstab, like full back front. Like they just, it just goes right through. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what'd you think of this, this, this last episode of the season? I, God, that moment I didn't see coming. Um, you know, cause of course, you know, the Triceratons being a very formidable force, they're going to have to, get help from where they don't want to. And um, that was the Shredder and his goons. And that turned out to be really bad. Um, <laughs> but things are worse than that. Because <laughs> uh, they weren't able to stop the uh, black hole, uh, the black hole generator, you know, countdown in time. Uh, and the entire earth got destroyed. Yes. Yeah. But who saved them? Who saved them, Sergio? Oh, our boy, the Fugitoid. Yeah, yeah. Like, a- again, a- another old school character just dropping out of nowhere and being like, yo, the Fugitoid's here now. It, this, th- These two episodes are just so good, man. It's a really great way to end the season. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad that, like, they got picked up for another season. I, I I don't like cliffhanger endings because like if your show gets canceled that's it. Yeah yeah, but Hello, like the, the lead up for for these seasons like they kind of know if they're getting picked up. 
yeah. well in advance because it takes so long to make the episodes. Like the destruction of the Earth, the turtles in what April were saved by the fugitoid, and the fugitoids like we have to act fast. We can save your planet. Like the destruction of the Earth is like that is a very that's that's obviously a very big thing. And had they just left the season at that, it, what a downer, man. Yeah, a very big downer. Uh, so so the fugitoid swooping in and just being like, come with me. It, 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 it's so good. It, I, like, it's it's hard for me to, to to really find any fault or any 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 problems with anything in these episodes, because it's exactly what I want out of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It it definitely is is some of the strongest or two of the strongest episodes um, of the season. Yeah. Um, and we get a we get some brief dialogue from the Fugitoid, who is voiced uh, by David Tennant. Um, I forgot about that. Of uh, Doctor Who fame. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Uncle Scrooge from the DuckTales reboot. And of course, everything David Tennant has been in. Yes, but those yes. are like the two most prominent showcased uh, things that I can, uh, you know. Yeah, think yeah, he's. Of. But he is a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Get, getting him for this is another get. Like, do you think David Tennant knew who the Fugitoid was when he was approached to 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 play this part? That's a very good question. He's he's kind of a nerdy guy. Um, maybe. 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 Yeah, that, that, that'd be a good question to ask him. It's like, hey, man, yeah, you, you did good work here. Did you know you did you know who this dude was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically they leave this. The season is left off promising Turtles Adventures in Space for season four. Yeah. Which, of course, is they're no stranger to space. Uh, the, the Turtles go there a lot. Um, th- this isn't. How they usually get there, but it involves the fugitoid. So it, again, it's adjacent to where, to, to, to how they usually get there. And, th- you know, that leaves, that left me excited for the next season. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts or any nuggets for uh, these two episodes? Um, it wasn't really time for nuggets been a while since we watched these um or it's it's correction it's been a while since we watched the show and it it just always reminds me that i couldn't love it more than i already do because it's one of the strongest animated series um for turtles out there, you know, and I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, you see all these like, Oh, pick, you can only pick two series or this series or that, or whatever. It was like, if you haven't given two K three, a chance or two K 12 do you, if you, you know, at first it's a little off putting cause you know, Mikey's all over the place and goofy, but he kind of evens out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, is done by people that love and care about this franchise. And especially, you know, with, with these last two episodes, that's very clear. 
Um, and then the, you know, and the other ones that are, you know, dating back to the Mirage stuff, you know, um, so much heart, humor, action. Um, it's, it's a must watch if you've not watched it. So please do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I'm sure I've said this before, but the whole series feels like a series made by people who grew up on the original show. Yeah. They, they understand what makes the turtles tick, like what makes them enjoyable. Yeah. So, and, and not just in the, you know, goofy 1987 way. So it's fantastic. And one of the, one of the uh, most surprising things about the end of this season is the shredder was willing to sacrifice the entire earth just to stab splinter in the back. That was deep, man. That was very deep. And again, you look at it a little differently now in the context of, you know, the the time travel episode. Right. So it carries a little bit more weight to it. Mm-hmm. It, but that's just how evil he is. Yeah. Man. Well, uh, we will, of course, tackle season four in a little while. It'll, it'll, we'll start it this year. So, yeah, it won't be that long. I got to know what happens. (laughs) Uh, We get the fugitoid, man. I I love this fugitoid. I always love that little guy. It's David Tennant. You you can't you can't go wrong. True. True. Well, here's the part where I say, hey, Jeff, what are we talking about next time? And this is the part where I say, check your spreadsheet, fool. And and, and I'm going to say. Give it a guess. <laughs> I'm just going to say more Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Is it a character spotlight? Uh, no. No. Okay. No, we're currently recording episode 108, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, this is episode 108. Well, that's one of them. Actually, the next one is kind of special. Um, Ooh. We're going to talk about the recent Saturday Morning Adventures comics. Ooh. Yeah, uh, the, the first four issues, or the the four issues in the four-issue miniseries are all out now. So we're going to read those four, talk about them, and there's also a, some, some bonus issues that I'm going to throw in that are just kind of not canon, but published by IDW. Okay. Uh, so that's that's what's coming next. So if, if you haven't read those, check them out. Uh, it's it's they're all standalone stories, so uh, they they should be pretty easy to follow. And un, until then, what are you going to be doing, Jeff? Well, Sergio, I'm going to be at the Warp Zone Arcade, uh, Brandon, Mississippi's premier arcade, uh, where we host weekly Super Smash Brothers tournaments um, uh, put on by uh, MS Smash, um, Mississippi's biggest Smash group. Um, we also do retro game restoration, uh, cleaning retro game cartridges and those cartridge-based systems. Um, we also have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, classic and new games uh, to uh, enjoy. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, um, please do so. Uh, just look for the Circle Controller logo and, of course, you know, the name, the Warp Zone Arcade. Um, and where can we find you i think i know the answer by now Um, (laughs) where can where can i be found jeff uh on the 
Shellhead's TMNT podcast website because everything else is dead. Yeah, not dead. It's it's on the shelf right now. It's 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 in hibernation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and downset drip is is we've recorded two episodes. I don't know when I'm going to release them, but that 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 fa- NFL fashion podcast is going wonderfully. Oh, that's good. I will I will plug it once it's uh once it's out there. But otherwise, check out the Shellheads Instagram page, the Shellheads Facebook page. Send us a message, ask us a question, send us some feedback. Well, I don't know about feedback. Yeah, send us some feedback. Uh, and we thank you for listening. This is always fun to do. Uh, I, I Jeff, thank you for uh joining me again. And well, thank you for thank you for having me, Sergio. It's always a pleasure. And um, you know, and as Sergio said, thank you to our listeners. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much and um you know so uh, i i guess uh, i'm sergio i'm jeff and we're shellheads miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast, visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.